Hello and welcome to Football Unfocused. Two in two weeks. Can you believe it? Uh, this is the uh, weekly podcast where me, I, Mark and my long-term friend and comrade Matthew talk about football and various other nonsense things for a little while until we stop. Matthew, is that a fair assessment of our podcast? Yeah, you you do mainly the talking about the football. Um mm. And two in two weeks, I was thinking about whether I should save this episode and just publish it next month because we're well, probably <laughs> cons- considering that I'm, I mean, I'm, I mean, I may or may not, I don't know because I tend to just pluck things out the top of my head, but I'm likely to talk about things that are specifically related to this week. Um, <laughs> yeah, would, it would somewhat lose its impact. I mean, we've already remember made last, the mistake of ignoring the back end of the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when Frank Lampard was sacked last month? <laughs> Bingo. This week's number one topic. You've hit it already. Yeah. Frankie boy. Um, but uh, before then, as you've alluded to, Matthew, I tend to do most of the football-related chat. So you get the uh, personality profiling that our listeners really love. This is by far the most popular part of the podcast. Uh, so I have three questions for you, as ever, Matthew. <laughs> these, are non, these are non-Twitter Questions. Yeah, the the the, the Twitter <laughs> followers uh, they really excelled like, themselves last week. So I thought I'd try and match their level because um, <laughs> what was it? We discovered that you were most likely to. In fact, I should add that as a supplementary question. You you identified last week that of all of the three options that our Twitter followers gave us, you were most likely to display the character traits of an embarrassing twat. Uh, so I can't far believe this, you write these answers down. Yeah. No, 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 that, that I wrote down the questions, uh, but oh, I just okay. remember, because I, I actually listened to the episode, and I recall you identifying twat as your... Uh, how are you getting on with being a, a 2023 embarrassing twat? An embarrassing twat. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I haven't had much of a chance to headspace to implement mm. a, a, a 10-step... When you think twat. about... So just take, no, you need to take a step back and just think about your behaviour over the last week and how how in keeping with that of an embarrassing twat... Has your behaviour been? Um, I do remember, it's not really something for me, but it was, I guess I always, I'm always self-conscious when I'm walking around and I've got my, got my white stick and mm. uh, I always feel a bit self-conscious about that. And um, some sort of young, some youths uh, were standing next to me uh, at, at the crossing, at a crossing. Yeah. <laughs> And I was just standing there with my white stick waiting for the, the little green man to start beeping. And uh, I was like, oh, please don't talk to me. Please don't. And they, they turned to me and they're like, what's that fucking stick for? <laughs> and I said, oh, wow. and I said, uh, oh, I, I don't I don't see so good. They're like, what? I said, oh, I don't see so good. Is there a reason uh, that you phrased it like you were from sort of think- southern southern America? I don't yeah. see so good. Yeah, no, I think it's there's a line in Zoolander, that film with Ben Stiller. I don't yeah. know if you've seen it. That'll but, connect um, with the youth of today. Film, no, exactly. Late, late 90s. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, then, and then they said, all right, all right. And then they're like, you must have really good hearing then. I said, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, they fell into that track. Didn't yeah. They? They're like, you've got a superpower. Use it, my friend. Use it. I was like, okay. So they patronised you. Yeah, yeah. Just, so I guess is patch being patronised the same as being embarrassed? I mean, they're no. in the, they're in the same ballpark. That story <laughs> reflects worse on them than it does you. I know. Um, I guess I, I was a bit embarrassed. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really do. I, I don't think you've ever said that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're the good guy in that in that tale. Oh my! I mean, did they actually say what the fuck is that? What What's that fucking stick for? What's that fucking stick for? Yeah. Oh no, they might not say fucking. They might just say what's that stick for? So you're you're projecting the expletive. I know. You? I am. I yeah. am. Yeah, I really. love an unnecessary fucking expletive. Uh, so, <laughs> so don't, don't fucking my... worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's probably as bad as close as I got in the last week. Good. Well, we'll keep an eye on Get that over here. the next 12 months. Okay, this week's uh, first question. Matthew, on a long commute, uh, for example, a train journey or a, or a lengthy car journey, uh, what is your snack of choice to tide you over? Uh, not not hot food. So I, I get I get the um, I get the National Express bus quite frequently down to London because it's quite fine frequently. Twice in the last three, maybe three times in the last twelve months. So maybe once months. a maybe once a quarter. Yeah, that's, and quite uh, frequent. No, maybe not. But but by by do what I have drilled into me is the coach driver just says don't bring hot food on the on the coach. Um, is that because stop. of the aroma or yeah, the, the, uh, the aroma. danger? Yeah, yeah. I, and, but, but cold food can smell as well. Like flav- strong flavored crisps. I regard yeah. that equally as antisocial as uh, I, like a pizza. Yeah, yeah, that's shit. And but um, I fucking hate the smell of salt and vinegar crisps, particularly. Do you? Yeah, but I know. Do you eat what... them? No, I despise oh, them in right. every way. I absolutely hate. Them. I don't like vinegar. I don't like vinegar on my chips. Um, <laughs> but uh, I like balsamic vinegar because I'm a modern. <laughs> I'm a modern working class man. Um, he lives in East No, but London. I, I absolutely, I hate the smell, and because I hate salt and vinegar crisps so much, I can smell when people have been eating them. I smell. I can smell it on smell them, it like on them. ten foot away. Yeah, and oh. it, it turns my stomach. Absolutely turns my stomach. I does hate Telly, it. does she eat many sort of Sometimes, yeah. Oh, um, no. Yeah. I know that on, <laughs> on the surface, cheese and onion is probably a, a, yeah. a more offensive yeah. crisp flavour. I and, agree. You know, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't eat a lot of crisps, to be honest. Um, and I would probably not want to sit next to someone eating them either, but I'd, I'd, I'd dislike salt and vinegar more. Something yeah. about that, 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 when I get that hit of that vinegary smell, that sort of sound. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. <laughs> Right. So um, hold on. Once again, you've answered my question with a negative. I've asked you what your yeah. snack of choice is, and you've started telling me what you wouldn't maybe, have. I guess yeah. So so just the most non-offensive. So maybe like chocolate or something. <laughs> yeah, a chocolate bar. I mean, nobody could get offended by a chocolate bar. Well, it depends what you do with it. <laughs> <laughs> really, I, it does. D- does this offend you? No. <laughs> How about this? Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> What about if I speed up? Um, does um, yeah? I'm trying to think if there's a chocolate bar with a strong enough sense. No, no. Oh right. No. No. Go on. Next. I suppose it depends where you where you (laughs) stick it. Good. So you'll eat a chocolate bar. And to drink. Fizzy pop. Fizzy pop. Yeah. Yeah. Fizzy pop. (laughs) And chocolate. Mum, Dad, can I have a fizzy pop? Yeah. Good. But do you, what about then the urination issue? Because my, I, with a man oh, with a bladder, I've got such an awful bladder that my my issues like well on a train fine if you've got access to toilet you know well yes, on a coach have a stand yeah yeah <laughs> um, yeah I had um, 
I I got on the cage the last time I got on the cage. Um, it's quite dark, and I had to ask somebody if if what I was walking into was the toilet. And they said, "Oh yeah, yeah, you know it is." So I got on, and then the coach pulled away. And I don't know if you you probably haven't experienced this recently, but it's much more unstable than on a train. And so as soon as the coach started going, I just oh I I was basically getting it everywhere but the toilet. It was um, yeah, but true. as my mother can attest, uh, you were missing the toilet, <laughs> uh, toilet. by some distance in <laughs> for, probably for the, some... the late nineteen nineties. No, so even on a stable, well, that's it, and that was on a stable. That was in a house. That was in a house, which just doesn't yeah. get much more stable than that. It, it really doesn't. <laughs> no. well, again, depends whose house it is. Uh, <laughs> good, right? Well, that's a great, great answer to uh, a question. I mean, you kind of answered that, uh, but as ever, <laughs> gave a bizarre answer to some of it matthew it's been quite chilly recently i'd imagine you know although very unusually i saw in on weather maps over the weekend that there's been a, a sort of diagonal line going across the country and the north of england has been in a warmer more mild mm. part and the south of england really has been bitter but overall it's been quite a cold winter in spells cost of living crisis matthew energy prices are through the roof how many hours a day are you having your heating on uh i'm quite yeah so despite you know possibly giving the impression that i'm quite frugal um when it comes to heating i do just use what um yeah blow the cost enough i do a little so bit if you got just like a 600 like, pound bill you wouldn't care you'd be like i'm warm that's all i care about yeah i think so well particularly mm. because um I think for Joe as well, because women feel the cold, like, you know, sort of objectively, women are find a, lo- a, ma- a men's room temperature less, uh, yeah, not as nice. I just Did, do you know what? in silence and let you talk now. I was thinking I know, he's, I know. he's eating I, himself I, up. Are you not going to help Where, me? How's that sentence going to end? You're basically saying women feel the cold more than men. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not sure if that's been scientifically proven. It I has, mean, it, it is has. anecdotally true, isn't it? Without no, no, doubt. no, it has, it has. I think it has. So, so like, they were just saying in offices and things like that, the temperature yes. is often set at a level that is more comfortable for a man um, than it is. And it? It, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll Every office some... I've ever worked, I've had a battle, a battle with the other, my co-workers, because I'm the guy who wants to open a window Oh, I can um, imagine. Um, so, Your house is fucking freezing. But my my yeah, but my house there has fresh air and it's free, <laughs> well, free from no fr- offensive uh, uh, fragrances. There is no. I hate about that. my my idea of hell. Hell is being in a warm, stuffy, smelly room. Walking salt into a meeting crisp. room that already yeah, <laughs> people eating salt and vinegar crisps. Walking into a meeting room, an airlocked meeting room that already stinks and there's only like two or three people in there. And you just think, I'm going to be breathing this shit in for the next like hour and a half. Ah, oh, it's my idea of hell. I worked in a, I worked in a horrible um, sort of 1960s office building in uh, Chelmsford for about a year and a half in, between, <laughs> in 2016 and 17. And that building, for, it seemed that everyone who worked in that place was just... Like every man, there was probably about 15 men, and every one of them seemed to have the same problem with absolutely foul, disgusting bowels, right? So there, oh. we go. there, were, there were only like two... To- I, I would probably... I, I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to get too personal. I would probably, in my entire uh, 
uh, sort of you know what what fifteen odd years of work you know working in offices uh, have probably defecated in the office maybe I don't know ten times in fifteen years yeah, or yeah, maybe yeah. twenty times. Uh, there were men who were going like a couple of times a day, and oh, I would go in there every yeah, yeah. day, and the smell was so bad it would like bowl you over. And I, and I had really big oh, windows. One, the only good thing about this horrible dilapidated. Uh, thing was that it did have really big windows. I'd open it up and I'd go in there like five minutes later without fail, someone had just closed it. So the inference is they would rather just breathe in the most disgusting foul air than just be a little bit chilly but have some have some fresh air. Yeah. Fresh air fresh air's good for your lungs, you know. You you'll you'll die an early death if you all if everyone just stays in airlocked rooms with heating being pumped in, it dries out your skin, it's bad, it's just bad for you generally. Your little lodger is gonna. You're gonna have to start closing your windows. I don't worry about lodger... him. I keep. I keep him warm. Keep the lodger warm because you know, even though he's paying no rent, <laughs> and he'll be laughing in the summer when he when the cool breeze is blowing through. And oh, especially yeah, the summers we've been having recently. But you have you know, the window having... open in the winter. That's what I always only cannot... in my bedroom. Only in my bedroom and, and the, the toilet, uh, bath, bathroom. Yeah, yeah the yeah. bathroom. Bathroom is yeah. non-negotiable. <laughs> so a whenever lot new, I... a lot of new builds have. Um, uh, they've sort of you'll get like the toilet will be in the middle on the side of the upstairs sort of configuration with yeah. a wall at the end of it. So there's or there's an extractor fan and no window. That, yeah, that, yeah, that is. I, I would not yeah. buy that house. Yeah, yeah, that is our. That's the flat that we owned. Uh, is there's no ventilation? Yeah, that's hell. It's, yeah. Also, no. what about the, if the actual shower room as well? Where's the water going? I don't. I don't know. I'm not a plumber. Exactly. Well, well. <laughs> exactly yeah but you'll have rising damp oh. good so how many hours a day do you have your fucking eating on uh, 8 12 bloody hell that is profitable okay. Matthew final question oh no come what on the last thing? minutes well it's your problem you give these ludicrous answers Matthew what was the last thing that cheesed you off I'm trying to bring back the term cheesed off so I, just, <laughs> I, just, I just thought I'd find, find a, a way to get it into a question um so genuinely did it did cheese me off a bit and then I felt a bit bad afterwards was um Joe Joe I knew the next word that was gonna come out of your mouth there was Joe. I thought he's gonna say something about Joe. Yeah. And you went for it, you went straight in. <laughs> Incredible. So, so I've got a torch that is in a case and when it's inside the case it charges. So it, mm. um and she'll borrow it and um I sometimes get a bit frustrated when I grab the case walk outside into the dark, close the door behind me, open the case, go to pull out the torch and realise that she's had it in her pocket. And then I've got to like try and find my way back in the dark to the front yeah, door, I've which got, is I only mean, a few I, stops from Italy. I but, can't believe this but, has happened twice I'm, in 15 minutes, but you're not in the wrong there. Like, yeah, no, you have every right to be cheesed the off question. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, what I'm saying question. is I actually agree with your cheesiness there. <laughs> Because you're the one who's got, uh, you know, you're partially sighted, shall we I know. say. So I'm so, I feel like I'm milking, my, for you. I'm, milk, I'm milking this disability a bit. Probably well, not really. If, 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 I, if I just <laughs> nicked someone's guide dog and went down with it and then just <laughs> left. He's in the wrong the bear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, come on, Rover. We're going for a walk. <laughs> you know, and poor yeah. David Blunt keeps left bumping into it'll the walls. Yeah, <laughs> Don't so. worry about him. He'll be all right. Yeah, he'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> come on, walkies. Yeah, good. <laughs> Good. Yeah, Good. I should probably shouldn't say that too loudly in case Kaido hears and starts howling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Joe, okay, mix but... your torch. 
She's so, no, no, no. Well, yeah, it's, that's fine. But she just sometimes forgets to put it back in the mm. case. Um, mm. Anyway, footy, onto the footy. Good. So what have you noticed about football in the last week, Matthew? Frank, I mean... Frank Lampard got sacked. <laughs> my favourite manager. My favourite yeah, manager. He's ever. everyone's favourite manager. It's <laughs> the people's champion. And then yeah. Everton are now on up for... Up, but for auction, no, it seems like auction. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> on eBay, yeah. they've been, they, you know, in the draft. They're up for auction. <laughs> yeah. Um, before the January draft ends, uh, no, that they're apparently not. That so that was broken. Oh. That was story uh, that Mashiri wanted to sell and apparently wanted five hundred million for the club, which, when you consider that allegedly both Manchester United and Liverpool are open to the idea of new owners. I think probably the Glazers are more serious about actually selling the club than FSG Group are selling Liverpool. But we're talking billions for those, particularly um, Manchester United. Um, and the idea you can you can still pick up a, a very prestigious, you know, joke, joking aside, a very prestigious, um, well-supported, historic Premier League football club for half a billion quid. I mean, admittedly, you know, it's out of my price range, but there's a lot of people in the world who would would be, able, you know, potential buyers who would be able to afford that. Um, yeah, but apparently it's nonsense. So that was broken by the Guardian last night, 24 hours after the demise of uh, uh, bless his heart, poor old, poor old Frankie boy. Um, but yeah, it's been rejected, and Mashiri, the owner, has said that he's sort of committed to to building a club. They are in trouble. Though, because in the last year, you wouldn't. I think what what some people haven't focused on enough with Everton is the extent to which the Russian invasion of Ukraine has hit them. Because I think people, everyone, sort of obsessed with Chelsea because obviously they were being directly funded by Abramovich, who, yes, his wealth was based on sort of stolen state assets from the Soviet Union as it went into the sort of Wild West mafia state of the uh, the early. Boris Yeltsin years and you know everything that then has followed um and obviously he was then put in a situation where he was sanctioned the club was sanctioned hamstrung for the back end of last season and kind of forced into a quick sale um but Everton Mashiri the owner was relying even though he is extremely wealthy uh, independently wealthy he was relying on money a lot of the funding, particularly for the new stadium project at Bramley Moor Dock on the Mersey, um, was reliant on money from uh, Uzmanov, who was a former part owner of Arsenal. It's all quite weird and murky and incestuous, really. Um, but anyway, his company were essentially... They, I think they had secured the naming rights of Everton Stadium and had paid a premium. Probably a lot of that they'd you know, sort of paid up front or certainly committed to paying over the next few years. And that money was withdrawn overnight. Well, forcibly withdrawn as a result of um, state sanctions, UK state sanctions. So they're then left in a situation where Mashiri is, is having to sort of come up with all the money himself. And he spent a ludicrous amount of over half a billion pounds since buying the club six or seven years ago on what could really um, objectively be termed a a rabble of average at best, often pretty shite footballers. Um, 
So the money that has been wasted there is absolutely staggering. So they've now got a situation where an owner is not able to draw on the financial support of his sort of, you know, pal or benefactor or whatever. He's wasted a huge amount of the money that he um, uh, sort of initially put in and is now facing a rebellion from the fans who sort of despise him because he is, he. I think it, it's pretty clear he's done a terrible job at running the club just in terms of like the strategy and there's, there's clearly absolutely no structure within that club. All the reports coming out seem to think that various sort of stakeholders within the club are warring factions with each other um, from the sort of, you know, head of operations to the chairman, the honorary chairman, Bill Kenwright, who's been there for donkey years and seems to be getting a lot of the flack from the Evertonians, even though I don't think he even has a a particularly hands-on executive role anymore, um, and Mashiri himself. And I think for that reason, Frank Lampard sort of ma- managed to duck under a lot of the criticism. So even though he has been fired, he's the full guy. They lost that crucial game against West Ham at the weekend uh, that um, we we mentioned last week. Um, the banners that the Everton fans were holding up and the real flack in the sort of local area wasn't really directed towards him because I think they are smart enough to recognise that... He is just the latest in a long line of managers that have tried to work under that regime that are kind of doomed to failure. And it, is, it really is incredible when you look at the, 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 the managers that have passed through Everton since about 2015, right? Include some of the most successful uh, modern day managers at both sort of European and domestic levels. You've got like Carlo Ancelotti, the, the Champions League era's greatest most successful manager uh he did all right at everton but you know he was sort of probably punching slightly above uh, his weight but then as soon as he got the opportunity to go back to real madrid he went but but the so he actually left on his own terms but the rest so people like ronald koeman who goes on to manage the dutch national team in barcelona all right unsuccessfully but still you know that makes him quite a big fish to be at everton rafa benitez champions league and league title in spain winning uh manager uh, Marco Silva, who's gone on, he's now doing incredible things at Fulham. You know, the newly promoted team who are almost certain not to get relegated. He seems to have completely sort of transformed that club, and he'd done sort of quite well um, before that. Obviously, big big Sam Allardyce was there uh, for a little while, went in, did his usual sort of salvage job, and then was shipped out because he was, uh, which he hated, um, but was sort of seen as a sort of saviour but not someone who the fans could uh, stomach being the um, uh, long-term manager so that they have manager after manager after manager who sort of succeed elsewhere but go to Everton and it all tend- yeah alright they, they managed to stop them from getting relegated which really should be the, sort of, you know, the minimum requirement but they sort of achieve no more than that and then so there's, some, there's clearly something there that is preventing managers from being able to actually, you know, pull up any trees. And I think what what I know, what frustrates a lot of Evertonians is that clubs who have spent significantly less than them, who whose uh, turnover isn't anywhere near what Everton's is, that don't have the sort of, you know, the history and the fan base that Everton do, are massively outperforming them. So you look at Brighton this season, probably the most, um, you know, with the possible exception of Arsenal, Brighton are probably the most entertaining team to watch in the Premier League this season, they go and they absolutely throw everything at attacking, all-out attacking teams. I mean, Liverpool got dumped by them 3-0 the other week. And like they've, they've really 
got you know they won at Old Trafford. They've they've had some outstanding results this season, and they're comfortably in the um, top half of the table. But even you know clubs like um, Brentford and and Bournemouth even have over recent years just outperformed Everton significantly, despite spending a fraction of what Everton have done on the on the transfer uh, market. I think another problem is. So again, what I think what what many modern day football fans of the sort of Premier League era football fans would possibly not appreciate is that when the Premier League first separated itself from the Football League as it was at the time and, and stopped being the first division and became the Premier League as a separate entity that kind of ran its own affairs and controlled its own money, negotiated its own broadcasting rights, the the big five of the time that were most sort of key in negotiating that deal and, and getting the, the breakaway were Liverpool, Manchester United, Tottenham, Arsenal and Everton. So there was no Man City and no Chelsea, as, as would um, be the case then. Everton, who, you know, uh, in 1992, when the Premier League was launched, had, within very recent memory, won the league title twice. They won the league title in 1985 and 1987. They won the FA Cup in, what was it, 84 and lost finals in 85 and 86. So they were a high-achieving team going into that Premier League era. But really, it's now been sort of, you know, 30 years. And they've done nothing. I mean, they haven't won a... They won, a, they won the FA Cup in 1995. Um, but that was in a period where they'd, they'd had to get Joe Royal in to sort of save them from a relegation scrap. And then they developed a very kind of dogmatic way of playing, a very aggressive up-and-atom way of playing. And... Uh, and, you know, won an FA Cup. Excellent uh, achievement. But it didn't lead to anything. And they, they just sort of go backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards, really, for the best part of 30 years. And in recent... The ironic thing is, Mashiri's takeover was seen as their opportunity to, to sort of get involved with the big boys. And the money they've spent is sort of big boy money. But it's getting them absolutely nowhere. And I think one of the biggest problems is because they've tried to throw money into sort of bringing them back to that top table where they, they think they belong. Um, they've realised that without Champions League football or even Europa League football or Conference League football, in order to get the profile of player that they want um, to go and play for Everton, in order to attract them, bear in mind, they, you know, these are mostly often lads from overseas who will be in their early to mid-20s. Uh, so they're not going to be thinking, oh, I want to play for the club that... Graham Sharp and Andy Gray and Pat Nevin played for in the 1980s. You know, they, they, they wouldn't have even heard of those uh, those people. You know, there's all yeah. One one. If you want something really depressing, look at foot, modern day footballers trying to answer questions on the club they actually play for, like previous like players from like before they were. They have no idea half of them. But anyway, um, so in order, so what Everton have to do to get sort of top top quality in inverted commas players is spend massive like massively overpaid them so what they get is these kind of six out of ten players seven out of ten at best players who are not quite good enough to, to attract uh, a move to man city or any of those uh, clubs sort of fighting for that profile of player but are kind of you know just above middling um so everton's kind of the top of their tree they go there they get themselves on say 150 grand a week or something like that and then they tread water they disappear and so many of everton's players i mean you know watch any football analysis program over the last few weeks and they've all been getting the graphic up of listing all everton signings uh, since 
sort of 2014, 15, 16. It's an extraordinary number of players, an extraordinary amount of money, and almost none of them have uh, really fulfilled the well the expectation that Everton would have expected when they um, when they first bought them. So they've got big problems because they've now got no manager. Don't seem to have a clear idea. Often when a club sacks a manager, they'll make an immediate appointment because they've clearly been doing the work behind the scenes and uh, you know planning for the sacking. I think that they've made quite a knee-jerk uh, decision, despite the fact that I think he's only won one in the last twelve or something. Um, but it's clear to me that they didn't. It wasn't the plan all along to get rid of Lampard. So they're now in a position where they're probably scrapping around for a manager. The names that are being suggested are all so different from each other. So they're obviously not going for a type. They're just they're literally just scrapping around for whoever's available. Um, so once again, that feeds into the no strategy, no plan um, narrative. Um, and they've got an enormous bill to pay for the stadium that, that, you know, there's kind of, you know, spades in the ground. The foundations are being built. I believe the idea is they're going to be moving into that uh, the beginning of the season after next, is my understanding. Maybe a little bit optimistic, I don't know. And there's got to be huge question marks over the funding of that now because they can't accept any money from Usmanov and, you know, who knows what Mashiri's going to do, whether he's got the money, whether he's committed to spending the money, even if he has. The fans are open rebellion with the club to the extent that the last home game, the board's didn't even feel safe to attend because, you know, allegedly, although there's quite a lot of conjecture about this, but allegedly they were kind of tipped off from a security perspective saying, don't come to the game today. You know, we can't guarantee your safety. And a lot of people have questioned that and said that there was that was their attempt to sort of engender some sympathy and to sort of turn it to look make Everton fans look like a sort of dangerous rabble. Um, and I kind of wouldn't be surprised by that, actually, if that, if that were the case. Um, and... And it was very interesting. I think Mashiri hadn't been to a actually personally been to a match since 2019, but he turned up at the London Stadium at the weekend uh, and sat with uh, the uh, pornographers who run West Ham. Sorry, the one pornographer who now runs West Ham, the other one's brown bread. God rest his soul. Um, so, uh, so yeah, they are they are an absolute mess. Who who said that? Because I'd heard that they'd, they'd been told not to go uh, because because of the danger, mm. the threat to their life. Who said that? Was it the police that came out and... No, I don't believe it was. And that, that I saw would... Jamie, Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville were debating this on Sky on Monday night. And because Jamie Carragher got quite irate about it because uh, I think his view... Because don't forget, Jamie Carragher grew up as an Everton fan um, until he sort of was on the books at Liverpool. Um, so, but But a, a lot of, you know proper Scousers, regardless of the rivalry between the two clubs, would defend Scousers above sort of everything else. You know, as a, as a, as a city, I think there's very much a kind of, you know, us versus them mentality. And he, he was really on board with the Everton fans and sort of saying, well, you know, there's absolutely no, there's no police uh, report of this. There's no, there's been no statement from anyone. So how do we even know this was a credible threat? This could be them just trying to, you know, get some sympathy and turn it back onto the Everton fans. And even on Monday, when they fired Frank Lampard, their communication with their own fans is appalling. So the news broke, I think, about three in the afternoon that Lampard was gone, maybe even slightly earlier than that. By 7.30 that night, when Sky were preparing for the um, uh, Fulham-Tottenham game and when Five Live were 
sort of um, reviewing the weekend's football and talking about the Lampard sacking. Nothing had come officially from Everton. The modern day way of communicating seems to be on Twitter. You would typically release a statement. There was nothing. The top tweet in Everton's timeline on their Twitter feed was still Frank Lampard's comments after their defeat against West Ham, which had, by then was two days prior. So, I mean, that's just diabolical. You're just, <laughs> you know, you're just leaving a, a massive void with just zero communication. That shows a complete lack of respect to the fans who turn up and, you know, buy their season tickets and fill the stadium every week. So, yeah, they are... I mean, I wouldn't want to swap places with them. If any club thinks they've got problems, you know, Everton really do, even by... you know, And, and I think that they're a club who, if they were to get relegated, could could, fa- could find it really challenging. Mind you, having said that, I, I remember thinking that about Newcastle under Mike Ashley, and they went down twice during that time. But they, they went when they went down to that level, they were just kind of just too big for everyone, really. The players that they had that were bang average in the Premier League just absolutely rinsed the championship so maybe that would be the case but it would be I, I do think Everton well, Sunderland weirdly, struggled Sunderland have badly struggled yeah but Sunderland over the last sort of 50 years are more accustomed to spells relatively long spells outside the top flight more so than Newcastle certainly since the uh, early 1990s Newcastle have been a you know, pretty consistent fixture for the last sort of thirty odd years in in the in the top division. Whereas Sunderland have definitely had more time out of it than than in it. But yeah, size of clubs, yes. Yeah, so Sunderland have um, massively struggled. And they also had problems with their owner. But I would say Everton's problems are more dramatic. I don't think they've ever been relegated. So this is, this is the thing; it shouldn't be underestimated. They are a proper old school, massive institution in British football. Um, but weirdly, it could it could be exactly what they need. It could be beneficial. They do clearly need a massive refresh and a reset. Just flush everything out, kind of get a decent manager in, and 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 start again. But when you look at it purely from the short term, uh, the, there's only a few days left of the January transfer window. They they really need some players. They were supposed to get um, uh, Arnold uh, Danjuma, who used to play for Bournemouth, now plays for Villarreal. It looked like they had that deal over the line and then I think Tottenham have gone in and hijacked it. Um, and the only talk really is that they could be losing players. So their bright young hope, Anthony Gordon, is uh, it looks like he's, he's relatively likely to join Newcastle before the end of the uh, uh, transfer window. So when you consider that, that they are in trouble. That, I'd have said the same thing this time last year, but I suppose that this time last year they had Richarlison and Anthony Gordon and was, was performing really well. They haven't really added any any top attacking quality. They can't score a fucking goal for love nor money. But um, as a Liverpool fan, I would I would greatly miss the fixture against them. And I, So in that respect, I would have no pleasure seeing Everton go down if it were to happen. Um, and I, you know, I always go on on this about how I love the proper prestige fixtures and that's why I like, you know, the... The, the, the sort of old school giants to come out of the championship and populate the Premier League as opposed to with the greatest of respect, you know, Bournemouths and Watfords. Um, but, you know, obviously it'd be quite funny to see them go down. And as for Frankie, I mean, I just pray for him, you know, because I'm sure I'm not alone in recognising that he is going to be one of the greats of English football management. And I just hope his next move really appreciate that and respect the man's uh, the man's genius. Do you pray for that as well, Matt? <laughs> yeah. 
Of course, yeah. of course. Yeah, good. Okay, well that's it. This, this, I mean, I've got I've got really nothing else to uh, to add. No, you get... Everton related. No, that's all right. And you've got somebody giving you a quote on a. I do indeed. Yeah, on yeah. a paint on a room painting. I've got a guy coming round to uh, <laughs> check out the room for my uh, my lodger. I'm a very good uh, landlord, and I'd like my lodger <laughs> to have the the nicest possible room uh, to fit in. And it's weird actually because my lodger um, is seems really keen to have the room decorated in a style that maybe a one-year-old would enjoy. Uh, really weird, sort of, you know, like shapes and colours and like cartoony type characters on the walls and, you know, little oh, my things that play. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've got to speak to the, speak to the guy first, haven't I? But, <laughs> Wait, is yeah. that what he's going to paint? Where he can paint well, like murals? I don't know what you can things. do. No, I'm talking about, you know, stick, you know, I don't know whether you can stick, stick things over the top of the paint. Oh, right. Like, you know, a, like, I don't know, like a rainbow or a yeah. sheep or whatever. I don't know. It's yeah, decals. They're called what? Decals, I think. Decals. Uh, you stick them on things. Yeah. Well, well, isn't that just a sticker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Stickers. Do you do stickers? Yeah, yeah. Can you get stickers? It's not, it's not a deal breaker, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but can you? Yeah, I mean, there's a news agent in the, the road. They sell yeah. paninis. Yeah, good. Okay. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. Well, thank you, Matthew. I hope he's and, reasonable. And I hope that this uh, high-level Everton-related content has been a uh, real tonic for uh, all our our army of listeners. As this is released on, uh, if you listen to this on a Saturday, or indeed whenever you are listening thank you very much for doing so and we'll be back uh hopefully next week for another edition of this uh superb uh, market leading award-winning football unfocused (laughs) 